Welcome to the High Profit Event Show. My name is Rudy Rodriguez, founder of the Virtual Event Sales Team and Wingman Coaching Worldwide. We provide world-class self-support services with integrity. And on this podcast, we interview successful event leaders and service providers that have led or supported profitable events online and off. Each episode will run for about 20 to 30 minutes, so stay tuned. Hi, Rudy Rodriguez here with the High Event Profit Show. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest. Mr. John Lewis is on with us. Uh, John, would you like to say hello real quick? Of course. How's it going, team? Super excited to be on here. Rudy, it's a pleasure. So I'm excited to give you guys some value. And Rudy, go ahead and fire away. Awesome, man. A couple quick things I want to share about John. You know, his show title today is How to Build Your Virtual Legacy by Leveraging Events. And, uh, John's a pretty impressive uh, young man, and you're not seeing, if you're not seeing him on camera, you'll see that he has a, an awesome baby face, <laughs> but make no mistake, he is a very accomplished young man. Um, as a CEO of the Virtual Legacy Group, he's helped uh, numerous real estate investors and experts transition into the education space with their own coaching, education programs, and even live events, and assisted multiple clients in hosting multiple six-figure events, and even he himself has run about seven events, resulting in over seven figures in sales of his own high-end coaching service. So John, you have a lot of experience to share with us here and I'm really excited to have you on as a guest today. Yes, sir. I'm excited to be here. Awesome, my friend. Well, let's go ahead and jump in and uh, we'll kind of uh, chit-chat along the way here a bit. So John, I want to, you know, our first kind of focus on the show is asking how do people promote and prepare for their events, right? Like someone who's looking to maybe do their first event or their the next event and they're looking for two millimeter distinctions what can you share as far as what you found has worked for you and your clients in promoting and building your events? Absolutely. So I'm a big social media guy. I'm sure everybody on here has to be big social media people to survive in this day and age. So we're going to touch on a lot of social media based content. Um, we do a lot through Instagram. We do a lot through now TikTok is up and coming. It's getting really big. And then, of course, we do the traditional Facebook ads as well. But I'll just hit on these one by one. So Facebook ads, as we know, has probably been the biggest platform as far as social media for a while now. And we pour a lot into that. I would say we're spending anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars a month on Facebook ads when we're preparing just to get the room filled with people. And what I've noticed is across the board, no matter what platform you're on, one of the most important things is having a really clear niche. And I think that's one of the things that we've been able to perfect that's helped us to scale really quickly is we were really adamant and pretty much obsessed about who is our ideal target audience. So we went and we started off, um, first we were just like, let's. what's the biggest, uh, industry that's growing right now like what has the most potential for growth we looked at the world and we were like okay the world right now is going in a direction where there's tons of inflation like real estate investing is going to be here for a while so let's target real estate investors so this is literally our thought process and how we ended up choosing and narrowing down our niche and what happens is most people stop there. They're like, okay, great. Real estate investors is who I'm targeting. But we took things a layer deeper. And we said, who is the exact type of real estate investor who can benefit from our event and what we're going to be providing? And that led us to a few different things. Like they have to have a minimum of 5,000 followers on their page. They have to have substantial results. Like 
seven or eight figures and above in real estate investing, or they're not our target audience. So I would say number one, Rudy, before we even get into which platform is best and which isn't, I would say that narrowing down on your niche is super, super important when you're going to be having an event to fill the room. Number two, now that we had that target audience, we really focused on developing our offer. And since we were able to get so niche down, we were able to develop an offer that we knew fit real estate investors. So here our thought process was like, okay, if I'm a real estate investor and I want to educate people, what are some of the reasons that I want to get into this industry? So for us, for our audience, most people always think, okay, people want to do things for money. But our audience, if you look at it, a lot of these guys are eight-figure earners, nine-figure earners, even some with up to a billion-dollar portfolio. So these guys aren't in the industries for like, hey, let me make a quick buck online. They're more worried about their legacy. They're more worried about giving back to the world. They're more worried about feeling good about themselves when they go to bed at night. And so us, when we're forming our offer, we have to keep that in mind so that we're speaking to that audience. And we're just like, hey, guys, come join this industry and make a quick buck. Like we wouldn't get anybody, no matter how good our marketing was, no matter how good anything else was, because our messaging wouldn't be on target. So that's number two. We got really clear based on our audience. And we asked ourselves, what do these people care about? What can we offer that makes them feel good and makes them want to buy our offer? So that's step number two. And then number three is now we can focus on the channels. Do we want to get on Facebook? Do we want to get on Instagram? And I would say when talking about channels, the three biggest that we use right now, like I said, is Facebook ads, Instagram, specifically in Reels. We post a ton of Reels and promote a ton of Reels. And then TikTok as well, as far as getting a brand new audience. Wow, man, you just dropped a ton of value there. Very short <laughs> period of time. I think our <laughs> listeners are going to need to go back and rewind this. <laughs> That's really good, man. And I, what I appreciate about you is that you took the time to really clarify your market right? You said, hey, um, what market is growing given that there's uh, inflation, real estate investing is going to be here for a while. And then even with that, you define your avatar. You're like, okay, we want somebody who's already earned seven, eight figures plus, and they're not just looking to make a quick book buck online, right? They want to leave a virtual legacy. They want, they really care about how they deliver on their work. It's not just a quick dollar Uh, And then you you dial that in and, uh, and then you went to work with your marketing teams to spend, you know, money on ads on Facebook and refine that and eventually lead to your now over seven figures that you've done at through your events. So thanks for breaking that down step-by-step for us. That was really, really helpful. The other thing I would say about that, just hitting more on the event itself is pre-event work is very underrated. I think you can make or break your event with what you do pre-event doing things like pre-framing, the person coming to the event. So obviously that person coming to the event, you want them in a certain mindset. If you can, you want to overcome objections before they even step foot at the event, whether virtual or in person. Um, So that's a pre-event thing, like put out training material that they have access to where you're talking about that belief system, put out um, testimonials that they can see other people that have gone through your program that have accomplished the result that they're looking for. All of that stuff is pre-framing the person before they even step foot in the event so that by the time they step foot there, they're jacked up, they're excited. They're like, man, I really want what I saw those other people had. And that's a huge thing. Sometimes you can, like I said, you can either get the sale or lose the sale before they even step foot in your event. So that's another thing that I would say as far as pre-event is pre-framing your person, pre-framing your audience before they even show up to the event. Yeah, and giving them content and giving them work to do ahead of time. Um, there's, a, there's a quote 
by uh, T. Harv Eckerd that I learned from, uh, I heard of this from my, one of my mentors, Evan Pagan. He said, T. Harv said, the more you have them do, the more they will like you. Mm, it's counterintuitive. So we think like, oh, if we ask people to do things, they're going to not like us. <laughs> But people who are eager and they want to be there and they're paying money, they're voting with their money, like they want you to lead them and give them things to do <laughs> to Absolutely. For, for the event. So it sounds like you, you guys do that, too, on your end, which is brilliant. We do. And what you said is not common sense, actually. <laughs> it's something that I definitely had to learn because a lot of times you can listen to your audience. And for me, from an investor's perspective, they would tell me through actions and through words, I don't want to do more work. I don't want another job. I don't want to have stuff to do. And my error was I tried to take everything away. Like we're going to handle everything, but they hated it. <laughs> like they wanted to be a part of the process. They felt like we could do the best job ever, but if they were not a part of the process, they felt like they weren't truly getting something. So I had to completely re rewind that thought process, give them stuff to do. Now they're jacked up. They're excited. They're like, man, I didn't think I would want to be doing this, but I actually love it. So sometimes you can't even really listen to your audience on the front end in that capacity where it's like, I don't want to do anything. No, people want to do things. They just want those things that matter and get them the result that they're looking for. So what you said is spot on, but it's not common sense. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's, it's counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Are there any other uh, tips or tricks that you recommend as far as uh, you mentioned what you have them do to prepare for the event? What do you do behind the scenes with your team to prepare to make sure that you're going to you know, hit the ground running come day one. Yeah, so we have um, the basics, obviously, like if it's an in-person event, making sure that you have the venue picked out well ahead of time. Um, things like making sure that you have di even directions to how to get to your venue, um, options for people to stay at hotels. You can even go the next step and pick out about what pricing is on flights at the time, making sure people get their flights ahead of time. Uh, we like to send out welcome emails on the front end, just welcoming them to the process and giving them access to our inter internal team, which we have someone on the back end that's in charge of just customer service and event coordination. So she's going to be in place. She's calling everybody saying, hey, super excited to have you here at our event. Can't wait to see you. If you need absolutely anything, you have feel free to reach out to me. I'm here to help you. Um, so my internal team is preparing, number one, from a customer service perspective and logistical perspective. We want to make sure everybody's getting to the event. We want to make sure that everyone feels amazing, they feel supported, and they don't have any questions in their head that they can't reach out to us and ask. So in a nutshell, that's the bulk of what we're doing preparation-wise. And then we have a very clear uh, system for how we operate the event. So things like having a table which you obviously you're the master at all this stuff, but having a table that's not in the speaking area where people can branch off for coaching sessions. We have that set up. Uh, we have tissue paper at the table because believe it or not, if our coaches do a great job then people end up crying. So your why should make you cry. If you don't have people crying and using your tissue paper, then you're not doing something right. So we have that set up in the back water. I mean, just basic stuff that you might think it's okay, I'll just handle this when I get there, but it's super important to have that baked into your system to where it's plug and play. Every event, we have a checklist. This is what we need to have prepared pre-event, and we just go in and make sure the room is set up exactly like that, customer service is set up, and so on and so forth for those events. Outstanding, man. Yeah, you definitely just highlighted the textbook. Um, what I tend to tell partners and clients as well is um, the successes in the preparation, everything you do before the event. Um, 
And one of the key things that you mentioned, I'm glad that you do, is uh, you provide a concierge service for attendees, like making sure they get all the questions answered, they're confirmed, they're coming, all their questions are answered. All this stuff is so, so important ahead of time. We make a point to uh, call each and every ticket holder uh, multiple times. I have to actually call them four times and, and send them technicians and emails. We want to have a conversation with them to make sure they're clear on what to expect for the event and also to figure out what is it that they want to get out of the event. Like, what is it that that individual person wants to get out of this event, right? And that's super helpful. Absolutely. Um, and that's a key point that we I kind of glazed over, but sending out that initial questionnaire for them to get the answers to those questions. A lot of people, the reason that I think that they freak out about events is because they think it's all predicated on stuff that they came up with themselves, when really, if you just ask your audience, they're going to tell you exactly what they want to hear. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. That's a key, key point is sending that out ahead of time, polling your audience and seeing what they want to hear. And then that way you can talk about what they want to hear and actually move the needle. So uh, thanks for bringing that up. That's a huge point. Yeah. And I love the way you, you manage your logistics at the events as well. I, you know, we typically will have our teams, if it's an, if it's an in-person event, arrive uh, 24 hours before anybody else is arriving and actually set everything up, the tables, everything up, and actually walk through step-by-step step from registration all the way to the last thing when we, when we wave goodbye <laughs> um, at the end of the day and all of the intentions from the whole thing. So super, Absolutely. you know, you got to see it in your mind's eye, just like when you play sports, right? You have to, you play like you practice, right? <laughs> yep. Practice like you play, lights are always on. And, and that kind of ties in for the speaker as well. So if you're throwing the event, obviously you have to prepare as a speaker, but same thing, I'm over here practicing like I play. And I have a really cool story actually about that. Um, for those that don't know, I have a little bit of an acting background as well. And my acting coach, he's a guy named Michael Papajohn. He's a guy who kills Uncle Ben in the old uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. And he's like Adam Sandler's stunt double and water boy and all of this. And so Papa John's my coach. And uh, I was reading through a script for an audition that I was going to do. And Papa John came over and said, hey, man, what's wrong? I see you're struggling over here. And I'm like, man, I just can't memorize this script for anything. Like, it's a long script. I've never done anything like this before. And I'm just struggling. And he's like, well, why are you trying to memorize the script in the first place? Nobody knows what you're supposed to be saying. He's like, instead of focusing on memorizing the script, focus on becoming the character. Because if you become a character that people can believe, that's how you move people's heart. And that's how you get them to love the movie or love the commercial, love whatever you're doing. And so I apply that directly to entrepreneurship. And especially speaking, uh, one of the things I noticed my clients struggle with a lot is they're trying to memorize everything. And they don't, they're like, they'll literally say a word and be like, crap, I said the wrong word. And I'm like, nobody knows you said the wrong word. Like, just keep going, focus on being you and being somebody that people can relate to and that they can feel. And if you focus on that and you're speaking from the heart, that's what's going to move people to make decisions. So in preparation, that's one of the key things is honing in on number one, what does my audience want? And number two, how can I give them that value? And not necessarily, oh, let me remember a script or remember these bullet points because that'll just trip you up at the end of the day. Yeah, I love how you hit on being being the character, right? Becoming, I would like to think of this, who do you have to become? Who do you have to be in the room? Mm -hmm. um, kind of the study of, I think they call it ontology, the study of beingness versus what do I need to say exactly, right? Exactly. It's like, who do I, need, do I need to be bold? Do I need to be present? Do I need to be concerned? Do I need to be, you know, um, enthusiastic? Do I, you know, it's like, who is the character, the, the human being you have to be in the room um, exactly. to make the, you know, get the outcome that you're looking for? 
Yeah. Absolutely. And you're focusing on your audience at the end of the day. You're not focusing on yourself. Another coach of mine said this. He's like, if you're focusing on yourself, you're going to screw up. You're focused on how you look, how you sound, this and that. It's not about you. You have to make it about your audience. And if your only thought process and focus is how do I give them as much value as possible, you won't care about what you look like. You won't care about how you sound or anything else. The only thing you'll care about is giving value. And that goes back into that being. I want to be the person that gives my audience a ton of value. And that's my main focus. So love that you hit on that. Awesome, man. You're doing that here on this episode. So I really appreciate you're just uh, adding so much value. Appreciate <laughs> uh, yeah. So here we are. We're at the event. You know, we prepared, we opened the doors. People are in the room. Um, you know, you did mention you tend to focus on what can I do to add value to the audience? What are some of the other key things that you focus on during, during the event, actual event itself, so that, you know, come the end of the event, people are going to give you nines and nines and tens, uh, you know, raving fan reviews, and they're going to join your program. What are the things that you focus, the key components you focus on? Who are you being? <laughs> Who's the character that you're being? <laughs> So you can quickly, one of the things as a speaker is to really be connected to your audience and realize how they're reacting or not reacting to certain things. So you never want to be that person, right? Like we're having a conversation. I'm going on and on and on. And it's like, obviously you, Rudy, you don't care what I'm saying at all. Like you're for, trying to force yourself to stay polite, to stay in the moment. And I'm just going on and on and on about this topic. You never want to be that type of speaker. Um, so it's very easy to pull your audience and see, okay, I have my audience right now. They love this topic. They're completely into it. Let me expand upon this. So as you're speaking, just like you would in a normal conversation, at least this is what I like to do. I like to pay attention to my audience and how they're responding so that I know I can go deeper on this. Okay, they've had enough of this. Let me pull back. Just being in tune with your audience and what they're doing. Another thing is, since we have our coaching sessions throughout the actual event, paying attention to if people are actually going back to the table and inquiring about what you have to offer, inquiring about coaching, um, directing those people back there throughout your speaking and pointing them to, hey, go back to, in my case, Coach Ivan's back at the back table. Go talk to Coach Ivan. Go get your coaching session and knowing when to drop that throughout the event is super important as well. So if nobody's running to the back, if nobody's going to get coaching, then that's something I know in a, if it's a multi-day event, okay, we got to do a better job of this tomorrow, making sure that we direct people back to get coaching, to attend their sessions and so on and so forth. So I would say to sum it all up, Rudy, just being really in tune with your audience and paying attention to them, both from a value perspective and what they care about and from a perspective of making sure they get to the back to um, participate in coaching sessions. Yeah, I agree 100% with what you're sharing there. I'm actually reading a, a really good book right now. It's called Defining Moment. And it's a classic. It's not like a new, you know, click funnels, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. like hack of like how to get more sales. No, it's like a classic title at, at 20, 30 years old. And, you know, I, I, I recommend the book to anyone who's listening to this. And in that book, it talks about uh, it does talk about sales, it talks about speaking, but it talks about leadership, right? And fundamentally it says, hey, leadership and speaking, the outcome is to get people to move, to take an action, right? You look at the keyword of motivate, to motivate someone is move, to, act, to actually get them to move. And that can be physically in the room or virtually in the digital room to make, uh, take an action. That's how we know we're doing our job. That's how we know we're listening to our audience and connecting with what they're saying and what their needs are is when it comes time for us to ask them to take an action that they actually do it. They actually go to the back of the room or they raise their hand or they 
opt in, whatever it is. Um, and that comes from knowing what your audience needs. Absolutely. And on the on the point of taking action, um, as a speaker, one of the things you can do in the meantime is get them to take small actions. So this is just basic persuasion as well, but small actions like raising their hand or shaking their head. If you want to, if you love making money, say, I love making money. <laughs> All that stuff seems really cheesy, right? But at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're getting small, minor commitments from your audience. So throughout your speaking as well, that's another thing that's really important. We want to get micro commitments, just like sales, before we ask for the major commitment at the end of the day. So if they get in the habit of telling us yes, 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 throughout the whole event, then the chances of them saying yes at the end to the big ask, um, they go up significantly when we're practicing that. Agreed 100%. Yeah, there's a book called Influence by uh, Robert Caldini. He talks about the six uh, weapons of influence. I refer to them as tools because it depends on who's using them, whether they're right. whether they're used for good or for, or for not good. I actually got the book right here. I can't nice. where I go. I'll have to get it. Yeah, and he talks about this. Uh, one of the six tools is commitment and consistency, which is this idea of small yeses lead to big yeses, right, that, that you're pointing to. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to reference this for our audience as well, because it's a great resource and totally relevant to what you're saying. I agree 100%. Um, small yeses lead to big yeses. And then, if, which brings us to kind of the next phase of our interview here is, you know, how do we actually ask for the sale, right? Mm -hmm. How do we go about and, and ask them to trust in us, give us money, and we give them service in return? So can you just share with us a little bit about your approach and what's worked for you? For sure. So there's two sides of this. And there's throughout this whole event, let me back a little back up a little bit. There's a relationship going on and a connection going on between, yes, you and the audience, but also you and your coaches at the back. So you and your coaches are kind of communicating almost silently. And we even have it to where sometimes they're giving signals like, yes, this is working. People are coming to the back. No, this isn't working. We need to do something different. So we're constantly having that connection and relationship to prepare for the big ask at the end of the event. As far as on, on stage, you have to factor in at the end of your speech, or at least this is what we do, where we're tying our story and really talking about the big dominoes that people need to knock over in order for them to make a buying decision. So throughout my speech, one of the things that I think people struggle with is they're like, okay, I don't know how I'm gonna give as much value as needed to get people to buy. But the reality is throughout my whole speech, I'm actually doing more selling than I am giving like just strict bullet points. A lot of people they'll get on stage and they'll be like, I have to hit all these bullet points in order to give value. And that's what's gonna get people by. But the reality is the whole speech is really just a big sell. So throughout that, it all culminates at the end of my speech where I'm tying my origin story into it, how I got started in this, some of the pain that I went through. I'm really hitting on those pain points of, if you do this on your own, this is what it looks like. Because for us, our offer is a done for you service. So I'm hitting on it from the perspective in my story of, this is what you'll sign up for if you choose to go down this path on your own. So really pulling out that pain, you'll go through this. And I went through hours and hours of working and I went through tens of thousands of dollars of spending on education, on services, on this and that. And then at the end, there's this bridge. I've clearly identified their pain. At the end of that story, I'm going to talk about the pleasure, which obviously comes in the form of my offer. And so I talk about how, but if you do it this way, it'll be a lot easier for you. It'll save you so much time. It'll save you so much headache. 
Um, you'll actually be able to focus on just serving people, which is really what you want to do at the end of the day. You don't want to sell and you don't want to be a marketer and you don't want to have to do all this stuff. All you want to do is serve people. And so this over here is going to give you the opportunity to have everything you want. So basically what you're doing at the end of your speech is you're clearly making them feel pain. You want them to feel that on a deep level if you choose this option. You're clearly pointing out this is what it could be if you choose our option. And you're saying like the key to getting over here, this bridge in the middle is our services, is what I'm offering at the back of the room. And that's kind of like the, just to make it kind of simple because obviously it's gonna look a lot different from that for everybody. But in a nutshell, that's what we're, that's what I'm presenting at the end of my speech is pain island, over to pleasure and what's at the back of the room at that table is the bridge that's going to get you from pain to pleasure. And obviously at the end, there's a few different ways that I've seen people close. I'll speak um, just from what I've seen. There's obviously a close where you talk about pricing. So you just put it all out there on the table. This is my value stack. This is what I'm offering. This is the price. Go to the back of the room. And I've seen another close where it's you're not mentioning price. So you're just giving the full value before you send people to the back of the room and they have to go to the back to figure out exactly what the details are as far as pricing and everything like that. But Honestly, Rudy, what I've noticed is if you do everything prior to that point, right, when you send people to the back of the room, the sale becomes easy for the coach that's sitting at the back of the room. Yeah, I agree. You know, like you said at the beginning of our interview here, it's, it's uh, the sales either made or lost even before the event begins, right? It's everything from registration through that initial concierge call to when they walk in the door to day one, day two, everything. If you do it all right, like you said it's easy when it comes time to ask them to go to the back of the room. I mean, paint the whole picture from pain to pleasure, build the bridge of your service, all of it. When it's done right at that defining point, it should be easy, right? That the, the actual asking for the sale. Absolutely. <laughs> and if it's, if it's not easy, if it's, it's difficult, they've probably missed a step. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. By the time they get to the back of the room, especially when you incorporate the coaching sessions throughout. So I don't know how you guys do it, Rudy, but with us, we're doing the coaching sessions prior to the actual sale. Like those are two different things. So by the time that person goes to the back table to buy, they've already done a coaching session with our coaches. That co The coach has dived deep into what their goals are, what their objectives are, hopefully made them feel and discover their why, made them cry. They've been through this whole process with the coach as well. So by the time they get to the back of the room, it's not starting from scratch. So that's another reason why by the time they go to the back of the room, the sale should be relatively easy because number one, they built that connection with the speaker. Number two, they built that connection with the coach. And number three, they've been clearly shown how what's at the back of the room is the key to solving all their problems. That's what makes the sale happen at the end of the day. Yeah, I love that. You point to some three, you know, three things to say, like, hey, you built connection with the speaker, the connection with the uh with uh, the actual sales professional or the coach that they're working with and you presented the proper solution to their problem, right? So it's like three different things that, that, that you need to hit, right? There has to be trust with the salesperson, trust with, with uh, the actual speaker and trust in that the offer is gonna get them, gonna solve their problem that we identify, right? Absolutely. Um, all three of those are important factors. Awesome, man. Well, Thank you for sharing all of all of the, what you've shared so far. Clearly, you are an expert in in your craft and what you do, um, and I can tell that's also you know you I, I understand that you do this for your clients as well. You actually find real estate experts who have seven or eight figure portfolios 
and you show them how to become educators and how to have their own, you know, coaching programs, host their own events, sell their own programs, and and you help them do this. And you've even done you've done multiple events that have done multiple six figures for your clients. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, so we're we're going to transition into the kind of the the popcorn popcorn bonus round of our interview. But before we do, actually, I'll just ask right now. If viewers want to learn more about you and what you guys do at, uh, at the Virtual Legacy, what would be the best way for them to reach you? So you would go to buildavirtuallegacy.com. It's just buildavirtuallegacy.com. And there you can get our free blueprint to how we did a $300,000 300, weekend for Bobby and Sophia Castro. Um, so buildavirtuallegacy.com and you can go and check out that free blueprint. Awesome. That's a great resource. Thank you for sharing that with our audience. Um, so let's jump into the uh, the popcorn round here. What would you say are three of the secrets or tactics or strategies that you've learned recently in doing some of these events? Maybe that $300,000 event you did recently. What would you say are like three tips that you would, that you'd love to share with our audience? Ooh, three tips. Man, I feel like we, we cover so much in our, in our actual session. So the three tips I would say, number one is, the speaker is very, very important, obviously, connecting with the speaker, um, you as a speaker focusing on giving value to your audience. I think that was one of the major tips. Um, major tip number two, let me try to give them something that I didn't already give them in the, over the course of the session. Um, number two, I would say to get the most out of your event, this is one thing that people have a limiting belief on. I would offer the highest ticket and the highest value item that you have. I think that's a key as well. Like we're not there offering a workbook for $97, obviously. Like we're, we're offering the cream of the crop of what we have, the highest ticket item for us revenue-wise, but also the highest value item for our clients. So that would be tip number two. Bring out your boldest and your best and don't be afraid to charge what you're worth is number two. And then number three, I've actually seen a lot of people try to do events where they don't have coaches at the back of the room selling. And I know that might sound crazy. And of course, if they've worked with you at all, Rudy, that won't be the case. But if you haven't and you feel like you don't need a coach at the event, I will tell you, you 100% need a coach. And if you don't have that coach or know what to do with them, you need to have a company to help you because it literally will make or break the event. If you have a coach at the back that actually knows what they're doing, that can actually give people value prior to even you offering something from stage, that will make your break or event your event. And it'll be the difference between multiple six figures and possibly nothing at all. So that will be number three, more speaking to the people that may be new to you and may have tried to do their own event before, but aren't really hip to what events are about, have to have a coach at the back of the room. I agree hundred percent, man. You hit the nail on the head with that one. Those are three great extra bonus tips you laid on, on us. Thank you, man. Um, what would you say is a book or resource you'd recommend to someone who's uh, considering doing an event or maybe in preparation for the next event? Um, so I'm going to go probably a little less traditional than most people when you ask that question. And I'm actually going to refer a classic, which is how to win friends and influence people, which you, on a on an, uh, surface level, you might say has nothing to do with events, but I think it has everything to do with events because it helps you as a speaker to really move your audience. And I love that book. It's a classic. It's really helped me a lot as far as influencing people. And at the end of the day, like you said at the beginning, Rudy, this is all about influencing people and getting them to move. And I believe that that may be the best book out there as far as that's concerned. Awesome. That's a great recommendation. How to win friends 
and influenced people by Dale Carnegie. Is that, do I remember yeah, that correctly? Dale okay. Carnegie. Yep. Great, great book. It's, I think I listened to that about eight years ago on audio. Uh, I'm due to go back to that one. It's, it's a classic title. Thanks for sharing okay. that. Of course. And, and uh, what would you say is like the next summit or the next goal that you want to climb for, for the virtual legacy? So what we're working on right now is building to a consistent eight-figure business. And the mindset that I've had to get in for that is completely different than the mindset of getting the seven figures and even sustaining seven figures. Because it, like at the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, when you're trying to make it there, your main focus is revenue-centered. Like, how do I generate revenue? <laughs> and then when you get to seven, it's like my main focus, my main word that comes out of my mouth multiple times a week is scalability like system, scalability. Like if I had to just shout out a bunch of words, those would be the words I'm shouting to my team over and over. System, scalability, training, hiring, recruiting. Like those are the things that have become my main focus because now instead of our bottleneck being, I can't acquire more clients, our bottleneck is we have to have competent people in place on the back end to fulfill. And we have to have a clear process for getting them up to speed very quickly. It can't take three, four or five months, obviously, it has to be a two week turnaround. So um, I would say that's our main goal, what we're focused on. And those are some of the thoughts and challenges that we're working through right now to get there. That's, that's a great insight. Thank you for sharing, you know, what it what the, the shift in mindset from getting to seven and generating revenue to now going to eight and figuring out how do you scale? How do you get the right people in place? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how do you have the systems and the processes to, to, to get there, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a common conversation that I'm hearing on, on this show. <laughs> um, and, and here's a, a probably a, a fun question, a perfect question to ask you kind of as we wrap up here. You know, you being the CEO of The Virtual Legacy, what legacy do you want to leave? <laughs> yep, I love that question. So for me, it all stems back to my childhood. So I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, originally born and raised. And when I'm telling people my initial story, I tell them I had no clue the concept of business existed until 19 years old. And I mean that on a very deep level, meaning I would walk into a McDonald's and not know that someone owned that McDonald's. That's how little I knew about business. So part of my mission that I'm accomplishing through the virtual legacy is getting that education out there in a very scalable way to where even people that are from where I'm from in New Orleans can click a button and they can see someone and be educated on things like business, like real estate investing. So I want to give back to those communities because there's a lot of potential, a lot of talent in those communities, but they just don't know what they don't know. So my mission from a legacy perspective is to give back to communities like that to make sure they have the same opportunity that I've been able to have. Amen, man. That's a beautiful mission to be on. I can appreciate that and align with that. That's uh, I appreciate it. and I relate to that too. Um, so when I was uh, when I grew up, beautiful home, beautiful parents. Um, I too didn't have anyone in my life that could really educate me on business, and it was because of a mentor uh, that came into my life, and eventually other courses and educators that I put money into and invested in over the years. I was able to develop my uh, my skill set and my mindset. But um, you know, I'm so appreciative of. Um, the teachers that are that were out there that were able to help me develop. So I want to help other people, you know, do the same, just like you. So thank you for sharing that. Of and as, as we wrap up here in our final minute, any any final words you want to share with our audience? Uh, so this audience of six and seven figure business owners, right? That's right. Um, what I would say is really focus on if you really focus on um, a big thing in our company right now is being an aggressor and taking action instead of being responsive. 
Like that's a big theme in our company right now. And I think when you hit this moment of six and seven figures, I feel like I'm on a fringe, I'm at a fringe point in my business right now. Like if you think about a stock, for those of you that know about stocks, there's points that are called support and resistance. And like when you break through a point that's called resistance, like a stock's trying to go up, right? It's at 200, can't break 200. And then it finally breaks through 200. What happens is what used to be that resistance now becomes support. So in essence, what used to be your ceiling now becomes your floor. So for you guys, if you're at six or seven figures, what I would push you to do is get really, really aggressive as if you're like dependent on it. Don't stop responding to things and start making things happen so that you can push through that resistance point. And guess what? When you generate enough force to push through resistance, that'll now become your baseline support. Your life will change forever. So that'll be my final word to you guys. That's what we're working on doing right now. I'm trying to make seven figures my support instead of my resistance. That is a great, great, great metaphor uh, to highlight. I appreciate you connecting those dots for us here. Well, thank you, my friend. It's been a wonderful interview with you today. And for our listeners, if you found value from today's episode, please be sure to once subscribe to this podcast or show if you haven't already. Uh, share it with someone who you think might find value from, from today's episode. And also do go to the Virtual Legacy uh, website, virtuallegacy.com, and check out more about what they do. And, and um, if you know someone in the real estate education space that you think could use a, a great team like uh, Mr. John Lewis's team, be sure to connect them as well. Uh, thank you, sir, for being a guest on our show. And with that being said, we'll go ahead and we'll uh, call it a wrap. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Rudy. You're welcome. Thanks for being on. Thank you for listening to the High Profit Event Show. If you are a seminar leader or thought leader or event service provider who has led or supported profitable, successful events to over 100 people and you've been effective at enrollment into your high-end coaching, education, mastermind tech programs, we're looking for guests. Love to have you on the show. You can go to our website, virtualeventsalesteam.com, click on the podcast tab and submit an application to be on our show. Also, if you found the show to be valuable, share it with someone who you think might benefit from it. Take a moment, please leave a review and also subscribe if you haven't already. And lastly, if you have an upcoming uh, event, whether it be virtual or in person, and you'd like to have a conversation about how to fill your coaching, education, mastermind programs fast using events, you're welcome to book a complimentary 15-minute uh, consult with either myself or a member of my team on our website, virtualeventsalesteam.com. Again, this is Rudy Rodriguez, and congratulations on investing the time to listen to this episode. I hope it's been valuable. Have a great day.